We have a lot of Bible to read. Let me just put the verses up here, and I want to talk to you about the word chosen today. Chosen. Now, starting in Matthew 27, let's read. Now, at the feast of the governor was accustomed to releasing. At the feast, he was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For look what he knew. He knew that they had handed Jesus over because of what? Envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife, that's Pilate's wife, sent to him saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. He should have listened to his wife that day. All the men say, my wife can speak through me, through, through, uh, the Lord can't speak through my wife. Say that. I've learned you better listen to your woman. I got a, some real good female amens right there. Now, verse 20, but the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes. Look who did it. The religious leaders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? Even Pilate was saying, I don't find anything wrong in him. But they cried out all the more saying, let him be crucified Then verse 24, when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, and said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, oh, they cursed themselves here, folks. His blood be on us and on our children. Oh, I tremble when I read that. Because in 40 years... That came down on them when they lost their city, their lives, their temple, everything. Now, verse 26, then he released Barabbas to them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Laura, what a story, what a historical account of what happened to you and how it came about. And, Lord, we just pray that you will speak to our hearts today. We need to hear from you. We need, Lord, for... Uh, the reality of what led to Easter to be more real to us than ever. And I pray you will anoint me to communicate it and anoint the, the, the congregation to hear it and to understand it and to grasp it. Touch our hearts and not just our minds. Set us on fire, Lord. And we thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him he died for you. And just tell him that. That's good. Now, the only reason that we know about Barabbas at all, the only reason we know his name, because he disappears from history after this account, the only reason we know about him is that Barabbas was scheduled to die on the same day that Jesus of Nazareth was arrested and tried and condemned to death. And their lives intersected. But I want you to see today that your life never intersects with Christ apart from the providence of God. Their lives intersected. 
And the Bible says that Barabbas was a bad guy. He was really a bad man. Matthew 27 describes him as a notorious prisoner. Mark 15 and Luke 23 go a little further and they indicate he was among the rebels who had committed murder in the uprising against Rome. So he was a murderer. He was a cutthroat killer. John calls him a bandit. The bottom line is Barabbas was bad, bad man, a bad man. And he's headed to the crucifixion that Jesus is also headed for. He would have lost his life that day if not for Christ. Now, the same Barabbas, or the name Barabbas, means son of the rabbi. I want you to think about that. His name means son of the rabbi. So we may actually have a PK here, a preacher's kid, in Barabbas. Now, how a guy from a devout home raised in the Old Testament with a daddy, a a, a rabbi for a daddy, Ended up going to the gallows, as anybody's guess. But here is a wayward son. And you can count on this, that while he sat there languishing in prison, somewhere out there was a brokenhearted dad and mom. Because this is not the way that he had been raised. But he ended up condemned to die. Now, while Jesus was being tried before Pontius Pilate, here's Barabbas laying chained in a condemned cell, fearful for every creak of footstep, every turn of a key, because it might be the guard arriving to take him out to be executed by the most painful form of execution ever known to man, being hung on a cross. No pain like it. None. But I want to submit to you today that a bigger picture is being painted for us here by the providential hand of God, because history is his story. And God's providence is always working. He's ordering your steps today, and you don't even know it. You're not aware of it most of the time. But I don't believe in chance. I believe in providence. I don't believe in fate. I believe in the will of God. And here's Barabbas' life. It's being ordered without him knowing it by the providential hand of God. Because when the path of Barabbas and the path of Jesus Christ crossed, the events that took place in the life of Barabbas present a picture of all of mankind, of you and me today, what happens right here with this man, Barabbas? So I want to talk to you today about how Barabbas is a type of all of us. You say, well, how can he be a type of me, Jeff? He, he was a murderer, and, and he, he did all those things wrong, and he was headed to the gallows. I'm going to show you. First, I want you to notice, here's the way we're like Barabbas. He was condemned to die. Barabbas was condemned to die. He had been tried and found guilty of robbery and of murder. And the governor himself had pronounced his sentence and placed his seal on the signed death warrant. He was condemned to die. There was nothing left but the doing of it. He was waiting to die. And just like Barabbas, All of mankind is under that same sentence of death. Now, I'm going to talk to you the way the Bible talks about us. I'm not going to get up here and and tickle your ear. I I don't want to get up here and lie to you. I'm not going to tell you I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, everything's okay, don't worry about things. If you're saved, you're good. But let me tell you the Bible's take on mankind, on humankind, on you and me, the human race, just like 
Barabbas. We may not be condemned to be uh, hung or to be crucified, but because of our sin, the Bible says we've all been condemned to die just like him. We've all been condemned to die because we've all sinned. Let me, let me read to you what the Bible says about us. Romans 3, 10 to 12, listen to this. No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good, not a single one. Do you think he's trying to tell us something there? Listen to the, all of these. No one, not even one. No one, no one, all, all, no one, not a single one. Not a single human being ever born on earth avoided being a sinner. Now, now let's, let's go on. Romans 6, 23, and the wages of sin is death. You see, Barabbas was condemned to die, but so is the human race without Christ. Listen carefully to me. I'm going to tell you the truth. The wages of sin is death. Let's look at it this way. When you and I sin, sin gives us a paycheck. Sin gives us a paycheck. And the paycheck is death. Thanks, you did a great job sinning. Now go die. Here's your paycheck. Sin gives a paycheck. And you can't ever sin without receiving that paycheck. For in due season we shall reap. In due season we shall reap. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, listen to what God says about everybody. All souls are mine. The soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. The soul who sins will die. Let me read that again. The soul who sins will die. Sin has a paycheck. The paycheck is death. Before Adam and Eve fell in the garden, there was no death. But once sin entered the human race, then death came with it. Now, that being true, that if the soul who sins, it'll die, we're all in trouble. Because listen to what it says. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, if, if, if all have sinned, then all have died. All are condemned to death. This is the mess. I wish I could tell America this. America doesn't have a drug problem, immorality problem, perversion. That's not, those are the tops of the weed. The root of the, the weed is this, that we're in sin. America is in sin. America has rejected God. And what we need is we need a Savior. And that's why we're on this road towards Easter. I want us to understand why Easter had to happen. And why the cross had to happen. So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So therefore, we've all gotten the paycheck. We've all died. We're dead in sin and trespasses. You'd be amazed. I pray every Saturday night. And and here's what I pray. I say, oh God, I can preach till I'm blue. But you know what, Lord? Nobody can call the, the spiritually dead back to life but you. Because when he, listen, when he looked down into that tomb and Lazarus was down there as dead as any man ever was dead and the voice of the son of God called him by name and called him out of that grave and he came out of there all wrapped up in grave clothes. Listen, he, he wasn't down there saying, I think I'll seek God. He was dead. And the only thing that got him out of there was he heard the voice of the Son of God and the voice of the Son of God called him from the dead. It's the same thing with spiritual death. We are dead as dead can be in trespasses and sins until the voice of the Son of God calls us out. Now, you, you say, but Jeff, come on. I'm not a bad person. I'm not like Barabbas. I'm not bad. I've never even gotten a traffic ticket. 
I'm a great American citizen, great mom, great dad, great at my company. I do good things for people all the time. So, so don't put me in there with Barabbas, but you are in there with Barabbas if you don't know Jesus. He was condemned to die, and, and because of sin, you're condemned to die, and I was condemned to die. That's the fact of the human race. You may never have gotten a traffic ticket, but let me, let me just reason with you a moment. Have you ever broken one of the Ten Commandments? Have you ever broken one? Well, not really. Told a little white lie once, but I'm really, Jeff, you don't understand the, 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 the kind of person you're looking at here today. I'm really a good guy. Listen, have you ever lied? Have you ever lusted? Have you ever cursed? Have you ever gossiped? Have you ever cheated? Have you ever been greedy? Have you ever put something else before God? Have you ever disrespected your parents? Don't look at me and lie to me now. You're lying in church. How about wanting something somebody else had? That's covetousness. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done any of those things? You see, if you've broken even one commandment, listen to me now. Here's what the Bible says. You are condemned to die in your sins. You're condemned to die just like Barabbas. You're condemned to die. If you've ever done one of those things, you're going to die in your sin if you don't come to Christ. If you don't look to what I'm going to talk to you about in a moment, you're going to die in your sins. It says in Deuteronomy 27, cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things. Everybody say all things with me. All things. That doesn't mean some. That doesn't mean most. It means 100% perfection. All things written in the book of the law to perform them. Cursed is everyone who does not perfectly obey the Ten Commandments. Cursed is everyone who doesn't do that. James wrote, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking, what does it say? All of it. So we're all condemned to die. We're all condemned to die. Before, before Christ came, listen, we were, we were like in a slave ship pulling those oars, sinning every day, living according to the lust of our flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And we had a taskmaster down there cracking a whip. His name is the devil. And we were in a slave ship, a condemned ship. We were condemned to die in our sins. And that's the picture of the human race. Evangelist D.L. Moody once asked a congregation this question. He said, if a man hangs over a cliff by a chain of 10 links... How many of those links must be broken in order to dash that man to his death? One. He didn't have to wait for three of those links to break. It only takes one. Same thing with the Word of God. Same thing with the law of God. If you want to be right before God by the keeping of the law, then you must perfectly and always, from your first breath until your last, keep that law. Nobody in here has done that. But no man or woman in the history of the world has ever been able to say, I kept God's law perfectly except one man, Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says about Jesus. It says, he made him who knew no sin, he knew no sin, to become sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let me tell you about Jesus. Can you imagine a life like this? He never once had to look up and say, oops, forgive me, Lord. His mama never had to whoop him. Can you imagine how his brothers and sisters resented this? Oh, here comes Mr. Perfect. 
He never had to get whipped. He never had to get corrected. When he's 12 years old, he, he, he slips away when they're visiting Jerusalem. He goes and finds the doctors and the thinkers and the philosophers and all the intellects. And they find him talking to them, asking them questions. They're all amazed at his knowledge. And, 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 and they said, son, how could you do this to us and disappear like that? And he said, listen, don't you understand? I, I was about my father's business. But then it says he submitted himself to them. Mary never had to say, boy, when your dad gets home, you are going to catch it. She never had to say that because he never broke the word. He never broke the law. He never broke one commandment. He lived a perfect life. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So just as Barabbas was condemned to die that day, so are we condemned to die because of our sins. Now, most in here are saved. Most of you know Jesus. Most of you have come to him and said, I, I place my faith in you. But if there's a question mark in your mind, I want to encourage you to think. And those of you watching by streaming video, I want you to think. And listening by radio one day. Right now, I'm talking into your car. Listen to me. I want you to think. If you have not come to Christ, and I'm about to show you why you must, then you're going to die in your sin and you're condemned to die just like Barabbas. No difference between us and him. Now, second, we see that Barabbas was given a substitute. Here's where it gets good. Barabbas was given a substitute. Now, now, follow me. Here's the deal. Because God is holy, he is also a just God. He, he, when, when sin happens in his universe, there has to be a consequence because he's just. And he requires justice. You know, I, I tell you all the time, I watch forensic files and all these, these, these real crime shows a lot, not Hollywood stuff, but the real stuff. And I can't tell you how many times you, you see a, a, court, a court happen when, when somebody was a vile killer or something terrible, and, and justice is not divvied out. They get out in 10 years, 15 years, while the family of the, of the victim suffers for the rest of their lives. And you go, where is justice? Justice is coming. Because, because God's holiness requires justice. And, and here's what his justice requires. When sin happens, his justice requires death. The soul that sins, it shall die. That's my, that's my punishment. That's the consequence for sin. All the way back in the Garden of Eden, God warned the first couple. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And Satan came to them, came to the woman and said, you're not going to die. Don't believe that stuff from God. You're going to be wise like, like me. You're going to be wise like God if you eat of it. You're not going to die. So she eats of it. Adam eats of it. And the Bible says in just a couple of chapters, uh, uh, and, and, and it, says, it says that uh, Adam died. And then it starts going through Adam's lineage. This man died, that one died, this one died, that one died. The whole chapter is sitting there giving us the different people who died as if the Bible is telling us, see, God told the truth and the devil told a lie. They did die. His justice demands full payment. And the only way around you and I dying in our sins and going to a Christless eternity is for God to provide a substitute. That's the only way out. There's an out and there's only one. 
And it's not found in you. It's not found in me. It's found in the man on the tree. Listen, we see that the very thing that Barabbas needed happened for him that day. He needed somebody to step forward and take his punishment for him, be judged in his place, and take the rap for him. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed somebody to wash my sin away. He paid a debt, the debt of sin, I that he did not owe. He was a substitute. Now, now, now think with me a minute. Let's, let's just use our divine or sanctified imagination. Here, do you, don't you know that Barabbas' stomach must have turned into knots as he one day heard the soldiers coming down that stone corridor, cloppity, 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 clop, stepping at the door of his cell. How stunned he must have been when one of them said, hey, get out and don't let us see your ugly face again. The governor has freed you. Another will die in your place. Say what? He rubs his ears. He looks around. He pinches himself. Am I in a dream? What? That's what I said. Get out of here. You're free. Another will die on the cross in your place. You see, Jesus really did die in Barabbas' place that day because where they put Jesus is where he was placed. He was supposed to be the one in the middle. He was supposed to be the one in the middle. It would have been the two thieves on either side and Barabbas right smack in the middle. But something happened according to the providence of God. Jesus died in his place. He really did die that day in his place. Because listen, God's will was for Christ to die that day in his and in our place. It was the will of God. Listen to this incredible claim in the Bible. These verses blow me away. And it's the truth, total truth. Listen, when we were utterly helpless, like Lazarus down in the tomb, with no way of escape, we had no way out, like Barabbas had no way out. Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners who had no use for him. Isn't that incredible? Now let me keep reading, it gets better. Even if we were good, even if we'd been as good as we think we are, we really wouldn't expect anybody to actually die for us, would we? Though, of course, it might barely be possible for sometimes you read about heroism and a fireman will run into a burning building, give his life to try to save somebody. It happens. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. While we were spitting in his face, had our backs turned on him, were offending him every day, and still sinners. That's when he died for us. It was either going to be Barabbas that day or it was going to be Jesus of Nazareth. But according to God's eternal plan, listen, it was God's eternal plan. Jesus literally became the substitute for the criminal Barabbas that day, and he became the substitute for you and me. When Jesus hung on that tree, he was hanging there 
for you and me in our place, taking our rap. Every time you've ever cussed, lied, cheated, stolen, done wrong, and me as well, our sins, if you were to stack our sins up, just the collective sins of the histories of this room, our sins would stack up to the clouds. They would stack up to the sun. But Jesus took the rap. He, 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 hanging on that cross, it said God visited his justice on Jesus. And that's why Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me for the first time in history past and for the first time in eternity future, the one and only time it's ever going to happen. Jesus, the son, was separated from God the Father as he was blamed, as he took the wrath, as he took the wrath, as he took the wrath for us. He became a substitute. So God comes to our cell and says, you put your faith in him and you're out of here. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to let you go. And we say, how in the world can you let me go? He said, because somebody else died in your place. Does it not make you want to weep out of thanksgiving for what Jesus did? Barabbas must have felt he was in a dream as the prison door opened and he walked out a free man knowing he had killed, stolen, robbed, done all kinds, been condemned to die. It was in ink, the ink of the governor. He was condemned. He walked out a free man. Now, I, I have to wonder. It's not the Bible, but I'm going to tell you, I know human nature. I've wondered if he lingered outside long enough to see the one who took his place. Did he? We we don't know, but one ancient tradition says that after he was released, Barabbas went to Golgotha to watch Jesus die. What do you mean somebody is going in my place? Who is it? Oh, this man called Jesus. Have you ever heard about him, Barabbas? This man called Jesus. He was going about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He's the one walked on water, raised the dead, taught like no man ever taught. Haven't you heard about him? He's famous. A famous man. He's dying in your place, Barabbas. Now, if it's me... I'm weaving my way through that crowd and I'm finding the one who's dying for me and I want to see who's there in my place. If it's me. Maybe as Jesus was led out to be crucified, his sacred eyes caught the eyes of guilty Barabbas. Well, that'd be a look, wouldn't it? That'd be a look, wouldn't it? What would it have been like to be Barabbas watching Jesus die on the cross? You knowing I would have been the one in the middle. What would it have been like? I would have been the one in the middle. I was supposed to be there. This morning when I woke up, I was headed for that cross. And now here's someone in my stead. And he's dying for me. He's dying instead of me. See, Barabbas is a type of us in that Jesus died in our place also. See, you can look. Do you see him? See those three figures stretched out against a grim gray sky? The one in the middle is Jesus. And there, you're there. I'm there. We're all there. My sin put him there. Your sin put him there. Our collective sin put him there. And he's dying on that tree. Don't you want to see what he looks like? Don't you want to know who died in your place? 
He literally became a curse for us on that cross so that we might be released from the curse of the law that demanded our death for sin. Listen to the Bible. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. The man on the tree became a curse for you and me. The man on the tree. Curse for you and me. Now, it struck me while I'm studying this message that the world of that day had a choice. Listen carefully to me. They had a choice. Oh, man, it couldn't have been more stark. They had a choice. Do I choose Barabbas or do I choose Jesus? Let me put it another way. Do I choose darkness or do I choose light? Do I choose evil or do I choose good? Do I choose wrong or do I choose right? They had a choice. That crowd yelling, they had a choice. They could have said, well, let the guy that committed murder go to the cross. He did wrong, but Jesus didn't do anything wrong. But they cried out for Barabbas to be set free. Think about that. That's insane. But it was God's will. And they chose wrong for right. Now, that's what our world is doing. And that's, Jesus one day said, he said, here's the condemnation that light came into the world and men loved darkness more than light. What they did, people do every day in our world. They choose Barabbas. They choose dark. They choose wrong. They choose evil over light. But here's what we're all going to have to answer. We're going to have to answer the question that that Pilate asked. Here's what Pilate asked. He said, what shall I do then with Jesus? What shall I do with Jesus? That's the most important question you will ever ask in your answer in your life. Not who you marry, not what you do for a career, not where you live, not where you go to church, not who you run with, not what your habits are. No, the most important question of all is Answering that one, what shall I do? Me personally, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? How you answer it is going to decide whether or not you have a substitute on that day when you face the judgment of God. Do you have a substitute standing there saying, they trusted in me and I became their substitute and they put their faith in my shed blood and so therefore they're free to walk out of the prison cell. They're free from judgment. But if you can't say, I turn to the substitute. Then you will answer for everything you ever did. And God will require justice. Can we stand together today? Now I know this is a strong word, but you know what? It's just a Bible word. It's just what the Bible tells us. How many of you are so thankful for the substitute? Amen. So thankful for the substitute. Let me ask us to bow for a moment of prayer. Now I want you to think for a minute. Say, Jeff, you know, there's a question mark in my mind about whether or not I've ever turned to that substitute, whether or not I've ever turned to him. Have I looked to the substitute, Jesus, on the cross for me in my place? Have I looked to him? Have I placed my faith in him? And have I invited him into my life? as Savior and Lord. If there's even a question mark, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave the parking lot and get on the highway without that question being answered. You know, 
it's easy to do to turn to him. It's, he's as close as a simple prayer to you. Please understand, I'm not here to condemn you. I was sitting in a jail cell myself when I was 16 when I heard the gospel. And I realized I was condemned for way more than what they had arrested me for. And in jail, Jesus came into my heart and washed my sins away and set me free. And today, you can pray the same simple prayer that I did. And I'm going to pray it with you. And you can do it. You can do it. I'm going to lead you. You can pray it. Go ahead and do it. Say, I want to be sure, Lord. Say this with me, Lord Jesus. Go ahead. You can pray it. You already know in your heart whether or not you should. Just pray it. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. And rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Jesus, you're my substitute. You went to the cross in my place. Now, Lord, come into my heart this day and let me out of the jail cell of sin. And if you've drifted today from the Lord, you used to walk with him close, but you've just gotten away, different things have happened. And I'm not, again, I'm not condemning you or judging you, but what a great time to come back right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. If you've just drifted away and you know it, he's been calling you. My saying this is only a, a confirmation of what you already know. I want you just to pray this with me and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for drifting out of your purposes for me. I come home today, Lord. Forgive me. Receive me back into your perfect will for my life. In Jesus' name. Now with your heads bowed, if you can say, Jeff, I prayed one of those prayers with you for his sake. I want you to just lift up your hand and say, I did. I prayed it with you. Put your hands up high everywhere. I see you, see you everywhere. Now I'm going to ask those of you with your hands raised to do something quickly. I want you to slip out from where you are. Now, I just want to meet you down here. Would you let me pray with you down here? Don't worry about what people think. They've all been down here. I went down in front of a group of juvenile delinquents and I was the only one that did it that night. But Jesus saw me walking and he said, I'm going to bless you. I want you to come if you raise your hand. Just slip out and come. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to give you something to take home with yourself. And come on, from all the way around, if you raise your hand, don't be. if you can't stand up for him here, how are you going to do it out there? Come now if you raise your hand. I'm going to wait for you. Come on. <clears throat> Let me pray for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. And I, I pray every Saturday night, God, call them out. Call them out. Call them out. And I, I, I don't know. I don't think most of you. Are any of you visiting today for the first time? Are you visiting? Been here two or three times? Okay. All right. Well, I want to pray with you one more time. And then I'm going to ask you to go into the prayer room with Robert just for a couple of minutes and let him give you some information. 
But I don't know your history. I don't know your past. But I do know this. He died in your place. And he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for you. I had a young lady last ask me last night. She was over with my daughter uh, visiting the house last night. And she said, does God really have a plan for me? I said, oh, you can't believe the plan God's got for you. God has a plan. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these precious people. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide them and lead them in the purpose of God for them. Lord, thank you that Satan has lost a battle and Jesus has won a victory today. Thank you, Lord, for touching us and calling us and melting our heart and bringing us to this place today. And we pray for your blessing on them, leadership on them, and whatever, Lord, is in their life that they need to be uh, released from, where the chains need to be snapped, thank you that you've already done it, and you're going to empower them to fully walk in the purposes of God. So, Lord, I pray for each of them today. Bless my brother, bless my sister. Bless them today, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen.